Father, as we've just sang, it is, uh, it is somewhat easy to come to church, to put on your mask, dress up nice, put on a smile, and pretend that everything's okay. Sing the songs, do all the, the stuff that's required to look good. But Father, you want more than that. You want it more than skin deep. You want it right down to our hearts. And that's where you do your best work. So Lord, do that work in us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, for you are my rock and my redeemer. We listen to you at this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I read about a park ranger uh, who uh, found this emaciated guy who was uh, sitting by a campfire, pretty beat up, pretty uh, obviously had had a rough go of it. And uh, shockingly, he was eating a rabbit and a bald eagle. <laughs> and so in addition to helping him, he arrested him because it's a federal offense. And so uh, ultimately, he gets to the court and uh, the, uh, the judge says, okay, well, what, how do you explain yourself? After all, it's a federal offense to eat a bald eagle. And he says, well, judge, you have to understand there are, there are mitigating circumstances. And he tells what happened. He said, there I was. I was starving. I couldn't find any food. And I happened upon this eagle who was eating this rabbit or preparing to eat this rabbit. And he said, so I picked up a rock and I figured I would throw the rock and startle the eagle to the point where he would drop the rabbit and then I could eat the rabbit. And he said, so I threw the rock and sadly it hit the eagle full on in the head and not only did the rabbit drop, but so did the eagle. He dropped dead. And he said, I didn't intend to do that, but that's what happened. And he said, and after that happened, I looked at it and I thought it made a whole lot more sense to actually eat the eagle than to just let it rot there on the ground since I'd accidentally killed it. And the judge considered for a while and he said, well, you know, in light of what you've shared with me, um, I'm, I'm going to let you off. I, I realize this, this was uh, an, uh, an ex extraordinary circumstance, and so um, I'm, I'm going to let you off uh, of this one. And uh, then the judge leans over and he says, by the way, uh, if you don't mind my asking, just what does a bald eagle taste like? And the guy says, well, judge, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's not quite as tender as a California condor, but it's much more <laughs> flavorful than a, than a spotted owl. <laughs> now, his, action, his words are telling us one thing, but he's describing actions that are telling us something entirely different. And that's where Jesus is going to go today in the book of Matthew. We've been seeing in Matthew as Jesus has been sharing uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this uh, extremely convicting uh, piece of literature and this message that Jesus preached. And we saw how in, uh, in chapter 5, verse 20, we are told that our, our righteousness is to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And what does that mean? Well, one way you could look at that is that the scribes and the Pharisees' righteousness was all about words. In fact, Jesus used this phrase over and over again, you have heard it said, and then he goes on to say, but I say to you. Well, today, he's going to go to the other side of the equation. He's going to focus on our actions. And what we're going to see is that quite often our actions are the very definition of hypocrisy, as we've seen with the guy who ate the bald eagle. So what is the definition of hypocrisy? Well, for Christians, it is the sin of covering up, the sin of using religion in order to cover up the sins that you are committing. 
Now, if somebody, uh, it's not somebody that sins now and then. We all do that. Can we all agree as we've been seeing? But what, a, what, what hypocrisy is, what a hypocrite does is deliberately use religion in order to cover up his sin and to promote himself. It's become popular in our day to play down this idea of religion. And, and we'll often say things like, I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. Trust me, guys, if you're sharing with your world, that doesn't work too much. They don't really get the distinction, okay? That, that as far as they're concerned, we're very religious people, and they don't mean that often in, the, in a very negative way. But and in fact, throughout Scripture, religion just merely refers to the external actions, and hopefully our relationships have those actions. There's a certain amount of religion. It's the religion that James talks about in James 1.27 when he says, pure and undefiled religion. Religion in the sight of God, of our God and Father, is this. Here it is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one's self unstained by the world. Now, that's the positive aspect of religion. It's just merely what people see in us. Being religious, quote unquote, in the negative sense, means to do all the stuff of religion, you know, you pray, you serve, you preach, okay, without it being real on the inside. And there again, that is hypocrisy. And in fact, it's interesting that the Greek word that is translated hypocrite was originally the word that was used to describe actors on the stage. In the Greek plays, the actors would wear masks, and these masks would have these gigantic smile or gigantic frown, and you've probably seen that as the symbol of the actor, right? The two, the two masks, comedy and tragedy. And they had those gigantic smiles or frowns because that would tell the audience immediately, no matter how far away you were, you could see this gigantic uh, uh, depiction of who they were, and you could see uh, just what kind of person they were. And it's interesting that, if, uh, that you, could, you could catch their emotion. And that's, in fact, that's where this whole idea of being two-faced comes from. You know, I, I just, I'm just projecting this on the outside, but I can do otherwise as well. And even though Jesus continues to, uh, to bag on the Pharisees, if you will, we need to come to this section and with our eyes on ourselves with our eyes on our motives. When you do something because of your faith, whether it be your service, whether it be your behavior, ask yourself, would I still do this? Would I still be doing this if nobody ever knew that I did it? Would I still be doing this if nobody ever saw it? If you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start off in verse 1. I encourage you to pull out your note sheets. Uh, if you didn't get any of the cards at the door, put your hand up and one of our ushers will get one to you. There's questions on the back. This is our final session this week for our life groups. Uh, some, of us, some life groups are going to have fellowships afterwards, but these are the final questions until we start up again in a few weeks in the spring and uh, pick up where we left off today. Uh, if over the next few weeks, as you've heard, we're going to have a, a, an Easter series, and we've got some exciting things coming for that. If you're joining with us online, everything I'm talking about is available on our church app, so make sure you download the app, and you can get all this material. So we see, as Jesus is saying here, essentially our lives should be somewhat of an open book, but today we're going to see that there are things that we should be doing in secret, so number one, pay, uh, uh, verse one says this, 
Jesus says, take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, on the surface, this seems like a contradictory statement to something Jesus said just a few verses before this. Remember back a few weeks ago when he was talking about us being salt and light? The, the issue, however, as we're going to see, is really our motives. James talks about, our, our, uh, in Matthew 5, 16, what did he say that sounds like he's contradicting himself? He says, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, in both cases, you are doing things that people can see. But what's the difference? In one case, you are glorifying God. And as Jesus just said, in the other case, you are doing it in order to be noticed by people. When you're doing things that are, you're you're doing them in order to be seen, but inside your motives are wrong or it's not genuine or you don't really feel this way, it can look a little like this. many of you can relate. Guys, this is what the religious leaders were doing. In fact, at one point, Jesus uh, insults them, uh, and he calls them whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He's basically telling them, you, you look good on the outside like a tomb, but inside, you're dead. And so what about you and me? Are my motives pure? Am I doing this for the right reasons? Today, Jesus is going to give us a a couple of ways that we can test ourselves on this. He's saying to us, do not be a hypocrite. And the first thing we see is he tells us, don't let your giving be noticed. Look at verse 2. He says, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that they will be praised by people. For truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. These trumpets that he's talking about here may, may just be figurative. Like the old saying goes, they were, they were blowing their own horns. But there's also some interesting stories possibly behind this. In the temple courtyard, there was this particular place where you could go and you could give to the poor. And they would put these gifts into what was called trumpets. They were these fluted containers. And part of the reason for the fluting was so you couldn't get it back. Uh, If you've been to the mall, they have that thing where you can put pennies or quarters into it and they go, you know, they they, they spin around and around. I've lost a lot of money in there just watching, being fascinated with that thing. And you can't get your hand down in the hole to get it back. 
And so, and then afterwards, the poor would come and they would get their gifts as the priest would pull those, uh, those gifts out of that trumpet. And it's kind of like our brotherhood fund that we take every couple of months. As time went on, though, from what I read, the Pharisees decided that it wasn't practical to, to always be going all the way to the temple. So instead, they would tie these little trumpets to their belts. And so while they were standing on the streets or in the synagogue, they would blow these trumpets and the poor would then know to come to them for gifts and the people would see that and remark, my, look how righteous those religious leaders are. They're helping out all of these people. And what does Jesus say about this? He says they have their reward in full. Why is that? Because that's the reward that they were looking for. They wanted to be honored by people. They wanted to look good. And Jesus says, well, mission accomplished. You look good. So if you ever have occasion to think, well, I'm not that bad. Well, look at this. We are so sinful that we can take a good thing, which is giving to the poor, and make it into something bad. And a lot of our Christian service could be that way. Well, that's how to be seen for your giving. But now he goes on to say, you should actually be doing this in secret. Look at verse 3. He says, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your charitable giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. First off, I notice here it says not if you give, but when you give. The expectation from Jesus is that we will give to those in need. Why is that? James told us that's pure religion. And the only question is, how will we give? What will be our heart attitude towards that? And Jesus here uses sort of an extreme example to illustrate that. He says, our giving should have no strings attached. In fact, this phrase he uses, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. What he's getting here is that it's so easy to give with the idea that I'm going to get something in, in return. But what he's saying here with this little phrase is, your giving should be so secret even to yourself, so secret that even you forget forget what you've done. And he says, if you you do give in secret, then not only will you get a reward, but it'll be from God himself, because why? He's the only one who sees it. Now, does this mean we can't give openly? Well, of course not. But when we give openly, there's a lot more danger. It has to be with the right motives. I mean, in in Acts chapter 4, the people were giving, and we see Barnabas giving openly. I mean, we all know about it. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, owned a tract of land, so he sold it and brought all the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Uh, That's a a, a public gift, and no, no doubt that encouraged the congregation. But he obviously was doing it with the right heart attitude. As opposed to Ananias and Sapphira, who did a very similar thing. In fact, probably saw what what, uh, Barnabas did and saw the, the results in his life, and they wanted some of that for themselves. So they pretended to give. And if you want to write down Acts 5 1 in that passage there, you can read how it didn't go well for Ananias and Sapphira in that particular form of giving. So, what do we get from this? First off, it's this if our giving, be it money or service or talent, it should be between me or you and the Lord. 
Not between me and others. Not for the purpose of impressing them. If your righteous acts are done so others can see them, then enjoy the reward. Okay, because that's all you're going to get. And don't let your giving be noticed. Now Jesus continues here with another test. He says, make sure that you are praying to God. Look at verse 5. He says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they will be seen by people. For truly, I say to you, once again, they have their reward in full. The religious leaders had designated 9 o'clock in the morning, noon, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour as times when they were to pray in the synagogues and in the temples. But often on their way to prayer, it wasn't unusual for these guys to stop in the streets and offer up these long prayers as if to say, I can't wait for the appointed hour. I've got to pray right now. And what would be the result? Well, people would look at them and they would be impressed. Wow, look how religious, look how pious they are. We've probably all known people like that, right? Where the, the prayers go on and on and they're really impressing us. The fact is, what Jesus is getting at here is they're not praying to God at all. They were praying for the sake of the people around them. It was a public spectacle. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go around and judge what other people are doing. I don't know somebody's heart, but this is for judging our own hearts. Who, what am I doing it for? And once again, he says, they have their reward in full. Why? Because that's why they were praying, to be seen by men. Mission accomplished. They got what they wanted. And guys, we can do this too. Often we can do this in really subtle ways if you think about it. I mean, what if I were to go up to you and say, you know what? I was praying for you at 3 o'clock this morning. Well, thank you for the prayers, but why did I have to add that little part? Well, because I want them to know that I was, I was toiling in prayer. I, I, you know, the Lord woke me up, and, th and this, is how, this is how religious I am. This is how spiritual I am. I wonder, I, I remember one time, many, many, many years ago, I was in Dallas at a pastor's conference, and this young pastor got a chance to pray uh, and offer grace in a restaurant. And he stood up and he started to pray. And I, my goodness, this was like, oh Lord, we want to thank you. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood that, that, that comes down from Calvary. Thank you for the, and he was going on and on and on. And at one point he stopped. And I have to admit, I looked up and his mentor pastor had put his hand on his shoulder and his comment, he said, and Lord, while my brother here is having a personal revival, I want to thank you for the food. <laughs> I'm not above this. I was challenged years ago by a comment card that I got from somebody in the congregation. And it simply said this, at the end of the service, Pastor Willie, who are you praying to? And now that may not hit you hard, but man, that hit me because I realized that quite often in my sermons in those days, the prayer often, be, often became an opportunity to have the fourth point of my message. You know, you've got your, you all got your eyes closed, you're not going anywhere. And this person just simply said, who are you really praying to? And I thought, yeah, he's right. 
And it changed how I prayed. Because now I ask myself that question. When I'm praying, am I really praying to God? Or is my public prayer in front of you all a prayer for your benefit? Is this something that, you know, I'm praying in order to impress you? It's kind of like the little boy who was doing his prayers one night. And he was praying and he's, you know, doing bless mommy and bless daddy and, and Lord help me to be a good little boy. And please God, I would really like a new bicycle. And the mother said, sweetheart, you don't have to yell. God can hear you. And he says, yeah, I know, mommy, but I, what I want is grandma to hear me. <laughs> and I suppose, I suppose if grandma did, he had his reward in full. So there you go. The Bible is, is fulfilled. So that's how we are to be seen for our praying. Now Jesus goes on and says you should, what you should be doing in secret. Verse 6, but as for you, no, not like the Pharisees, but as for you, when you pray, Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, now don't misunderstand. Jesus is not saying here that we should not be praying in public. There's plenty of examples of, of public prayers in Scripture. But what he is saying is that we should be praying in secret or in private before we go and pray in public. And then, as we've said... Those public prayers need to be directed to God and not a performance. In fact, if you think about it, the real, pr pr the real measure of my prayer life is how I pray when nobody but God is around. It is similar to that statement, who am I when nobody's looking? That's, that's the real person I am. It's the measure of my relationship with God. In public, I'm concerned about my words. And maybe I'm thinking in terms of, is it okay to say that? Maybe I am getting a little bit prideful. But in private, there's no rules. Between me and God, I could pour out my heart. There's no filters. My, my real feelings come out. Sometimes that wouldn't be appropriate in public. In private, for instance, I can stop and listen to God, maybe even for an extended period of time. In fact, personally for me, that's one thing I don't do enough of. You know, my, my prayers to God tend to be a lot one way. I talk and talk and talk and talk. But in private, I have learned there are times I just need to shut up <laughs> and listen. Maybe God has something to say to me. And that's difficult to do publicly. I've done it, but people get a little antsy after about 15, 20, 30, a minute. I mean, a minute of silence is an eternity. It's interesting, though. We need to be careful when we're praying in public that it doesn't slip over into the idea of gossip. Oh, Lord, I want to pray for blank. I won't even name a name, you know. She's having an affair with so you know, You've got to be careful of stuff like that, you know, that your prayers don't become something a lot more horrible. Jesus is going to get very specific about prayer. When we come back in a few weeks, he actually is going to begin with an actual pattern for prayer, and we're going to see what's become known as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's where we'll pick up in the spring. But for now, Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't let your giving be noticed. Make sure that you're praying to God and not to others. And finally, we're going to skip ahead to verse 16 and see what Jesus tells us when fasting, do it with a smile. Isn't that how we always feel when we're fasting? Number six, uh, verse 16. Now, whenever you fast, do not make a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they distort their faces so that they will be noticed by people when they're fasting. For truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
Now, fasting means to go without food for a while, and the Jews were required to fast uh, once a year on the Day of Atonement. But in the Bible, we see people fasting for any number of reasons. If they had an important decision to make, uh, they would often spend time fasting first. If people were oppressed or, or bound by sin, they would spend time fasting. It can be a, a powerful spiritual lesson. There's a lot of books and information out there about that. Notice, again, Jesus here assumes that we're doing it. He doesn't say if you fast. He says whenever you fast. The assumption is you're going to do this. And when you deny the flesh, you're going to find that it can turn your mind to God. It can turn your mind to spiritual things. In fact, there's actually a physical component to this. Doctors will tell you that when, when you do not have food to digest, there is literally a greater blood flow to your brain. So you are literally, in a very physical way, thinking clearer. And I know some of you are thinking, oh yeah, I'm thinking clearer, all right? I'm thinking about food, but uh, hopefully we get beyond that. But once again, like giving in prayer, the religious leaders saw that fasting was a way to show everybody just how spiritual they were. And again, like giving in prayer, they, have, they were only doing this in order to be seen by people. And so as Jesus says, you have your reward, the people see you. It's kind of ironic when you think about it, since fasting, going without food, emphasized the denial of the flesh. And here, what are, the, what are the Pharisees doing? They're actually glorifying the flesh. They're drawing attention to themselves, the opposite of what God wants from this practice. It's, uh, we read that they would fast every Monday and Thursday, and they would do it in a way that everybody knew uh, what they were doing. They would make sure that they would look gloomy. They would neglect their appearance. I've even read that at times they would even put on makeup to look worse. And then people would look at them and they would say, oh my, look at how they suffer for the Lord, how spiritual they must be. When in reality, it's just the opposite. They're being hypocritical. Once again, that is how to be seen in your fasting. And what does Jesus say? You should be doing this in secret. Look at verse 17. He says, but as for you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Now, if you think about it, the religious leaders were an example, of course. They were an example quite often of what not to do. And Jesus is doing this over and over again. See what they're doing, and you do just the opposite. Or as he said, you exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Nobody should know that you're fasting. So make sure you clean yourself up, wash your face, put some gel in your hair. And guess what? You probably won't feel good. But keep that to yourself. You're not doing this for other people. This is between you and God. And God knows what you're doing and God will reward you. Did you get that? Let me, let me say that in a way, in this way. He will reward you. I, I am very familiar with food, okay? It, it's something that I, that I have dealt with my whole life. We love food, don't we? There's, there's even terms like comfort food. You know, I, it, it comforts me. It's there for me. Oh, yes, 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 bagel. You are the one that loves me. No, when everybody else hates me, you love me. Let's, let's put some loving locks on you. And, and we talk like that, don't we? Sometimes that's where our comfort is coming from. 
And we get so dramatic about it. How many times do I hear people, I mean, a, a, a couple of days don't go by before I don't hear somebody saying, I'm starving. Let's get something to eat. I mean, think about that. Are you really? I, I dare say most of us here probably don't know of the concept of starving, okay? And yet that's what we think. And not just food. There's probably some other things that would be good for us once in a while to be fasting from. I was talking to somebody just a couple of days ago. We were talking about how much technology has taken over our lives. And you want to talk about fasting from something? Just the thought, I know some of you probably are shuddering, the thought of maybe putting your phone away or turning it off so you can't pay attention to it anymore. Whoa, 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 what, what? And, and it's literally a thing now. People, you know, have to, uh, uh, they, they go through withdrawals. It's, there, there's a whole bunch of addictive behavior around that. And so there are other things we probably need to fast from. And when we remove it, food or, or other things, it's amazing what can happen in terms of our relationship with the Lord. That, see, that's the key to a successful fast. It's not just removing food. It's not a way to, to lose weight. In fact, if you're fasting in order to lose weight, nothing wrong with that if that's part of the process, but that's not a spiritual act. Okay, that's not, your motive here needs to be, I'm going to remove everything that could possibly get in the way of my relationship with God and will in fact enhance my relationship with him. And instead of turning to that food for the comfort that you're missing, because you've now said, I'm not going to do that, you're going to turn to him. So I would encourage you, there's plenty, I'm not going to go on and on about fasting. There's plenty of material out there about that. I encourage you to read up on that some more. But what is Jesus' bottom line here? He's telling us, do, don't be righteous, quote unquote, like the hypocrites. And a guy's hypocrisy is so damaging. And let's be honest, we all do it at times. Hypocrisy is just acting. We put on the masks and we pretend and it robs us when we do that of the reality of the Christian life. In, instead of character, I want reputation. Instead of prayer, I just want pretty words that people will be impressed when I'm saying them. I got to tell you, I, I was at a conference one time and people were praying and there was this one guy, a uh, young guy who, was, who went up and, and these people were praying, and it was kind of, you know, when you're, when you're asked to pray publicly, you know, you, you, uh, you, you want to make sure that it sounds good and isn't distracting. But the most meaningful prayer, the most powerful prayer in that conference was when this young guy got up, and he could barely talk. Uh, I think he might have had some, some issues even physically with that. And he just simply said, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And, and he, was, he was doing that in such a way that you knew that he meant it. And, and here I am, decades later, I still remember that prayer. The vast majority of prayers I've heard in my life, I have no re recollection of them, especially my own. But that one, I got it. Because it was from the heart. It was genuine. And it wasn't frilly at all. And that made all the difference. Hypocrisy can also rob us of our spiritual influence. It, it robs us of our rewards. We give, but there's real, no real joy or satisfaction. We pray, but we don't hear any answer. We fast, but we don't see any improvements. And, and what happens is our spiritual life becomes hollow and lifeless. Hypocrisy robs us of, of those things. 
I mean, look at the scribes and the Pharisees. Everything they touched, it was defiled. It was destroyed. Instead of helping people, Jesus is telling us here that they're hurting them. And you might be saying right now, yeah, that's me. I'm, I, I'm, I'm religious, okay? I, I do everything so that people won't see what's really going on inside of me. Well, if that's what you are saying and you're saying that to God, that's a great start. Continue with that. Admit that to God. Be honest with him. He can take it, guys, because the most important part of your life is the part that only he can see. 1 John 1.8 says this, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what's the result? Well, whether it be in our giving, whether it be in our prayers, whether it be in our fasting, those things need to be done, as he says, in secret. And what will be the result? He said it three times in these passages. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I don't know about you, but if it's a choice between the temporal reward that I'm going to get, the temporary uh, boost in, in, in my personal stock that I'm going to get from impressing you compared to my heavenly father rewarding me for all of eternity, I mean, there's no competition. We all know which one we want. Let me give you a couple of takeaways for this today. The first one is this, and it's the obvious question. What is the real motivation for my giving? be it financial, be it my service, be it whatever. Why am I really doing it? Am I doing it out of some kind of uh, you know, guilt or obligation or to be seen as we've seen in the passage today? So examine yourself in light you know, of what God's word is saying and be honest. It's just you and God here. Number two, how do I pray when only God hears me? Am I being honest even with him? You know, the sad thing is that if you spend a lot of time trying to impress people with your prayers, that, that kind of behavior can then even seep into your prayers between you and God. And, and your life, become, you, you, you get to the point where it's hard to separate the two, and your life becomes a show for the God himself when he obviously knows better. And then finally, number three, I asked this a bit earlier, is there something that I need to fast from? Is there something that's getting in the way? Is there something that I am turning to other than the Lord, whether that be food, whether that be friends, whether that be technology, whether that be my job, whether that be my family? That's the thing, as we've seen. Uh, the, the, the enemy can use all kinds of good things to turn your attention to that rather than to the Lord. And that's a good time to say, you know what? I'm just going to cut that out of my life. I've become a little too dependent upon that for my spiritual life. Let's pray now. Father, I have to admit that I act in front of my friends so often like I don't have any sin. And yet, Lord, I, I'm talking to you, and you know better. And you know, Lord, that it's an act. And I confess that to you now. I admit that to you. And I ask, Father, that you fill me with your spirit. Make me the person that you want me to be, Lord, as, as 1 John 1, 9 says. I confess my sins. And I know, Father, you are faithful and just and will forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And, Lord, I believe that. And I've made the choice 
to ask that of you. And I pray my brothers and sisters here would make that, that choice as well. Lord, help me to not be that religious person that you're talking about in these passages. Help me to be genuine, Lord. Help me to be straight up with the people around me. I want what's on the inside of me, Lord, to be the same thing that's on the outside of me. I want to be a genuine man. And so, Father, I ask that you would bring people into my life, uh, surround me with people that can encourage me in this. And, Lord, give me opportunities to be an encourager to others in the same way. Thank you, Father. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.